0: your inside pass to everything saints football we'll take you to the places most fans never go to practice to the sideline to the locker room following every twist
1: I drop the ball. turn Picks
0: and touchdown
1: of the
0: 2022 season Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. (laughs) Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold, Saints fans. I'm Steve Geller, along with Jeff Nowak, bringing you another edition. And we just wrapped up another training camp practice as this team heads into their preseason finale against the Los Angeles Chargers. Jeff, we've been seeing a lot of good things, a lot of interesting details about this team heading into this finale and was good to see the main man quarterback number one showcasing his feet I guess you would say in the, in the last two practices and we're gonna get into a lot of that
1: just so you know we're gonna kind of give you the latest on Jameis Winston we're going to do kind of a Saints fantasy football stock watch to kind of see where some of these Saints players are getting drafted and whether we think there's some extra value in some of them that you might not be getting taken advantage of. And then we're going to pick our spotlight players for Friday's preseason game, just like we did last week. And we already have those. Yeah, James Winston, it was fair to be a little concerned about the foot injury that kept him out, you know, at least a week, maybe a little bit more. He didn't participate in the Packers practices beyond a couple drills. He didn't play in the second preseason game. Um, but he got back on Sunday, started kind of getting back into drills. He's been in the full team drills for the past three days in a row. Doesn't seem to be having any issues. He's moving fine. And now, so the question becomes not can he play in Friday's preseason game because he is apparently healthy enough to do it. The question is, will he play in Friday's preseason game? And I still don't know for sure whether he's going to or not.
0: Yeah, of course. one. Asked about it today, he he said he wants to, but what's a player gonna say? You know, is someone gonna say, "Nah, I, I, I'm gonna sit this one out, dog." This is what Dennis Allen had to say when we asked him.
2: I'm not telling anybody who's playing and who's not playing, but, uh, but yeah, I, look, I think the last couple of days he's looked pretty good out here, um, which has been really encouraging.
1: So the answer is, I'm not gonna tell you, na. <laughs> exactly, I know, and you don't. <laughs> right? Um, he's not gonna tell us. So fine. I'd rather someone tell you they're not going to tell you than like lie to you. So
0: I guess that's preferable, but we don't know the answer. Yeah. I mean, you can argue honestly either way. I think too, because one, you are worried about your, your number one guy possibly suffering either a subback or an injury, but then again, why wouldn't you want to get him out there for a series I'm not saying it's gonna really even make that big of a difference come week one, but just to quote unquote knock some of that rust off and get in a real game situation.
1: I just don't I just don't see why you why you wouldn't just say yes or no. Like I get if you want to play coy in a regular season and you want to be like, oh, we're gonna make him have to wonder until late in the week, this is
0: preseason. Just tell us. It's right, not the gonna char- hurt anybody. James the targets aren't game planning for a quarterback right now.
1: All right, no one's game planning for anything. They're just going out there and trying not to get hurt. Just tell us who's gonna be there. It's make our jobs easier. But you know, I think he's just kind of setting the precedent for later in the season when when we ask him these similar questions, we should expect the same answers. I think that's kind of what he's what he's trying to do with that with
0: that type of answer. But notice too the past two practices afterwards, Coach Dennis Allen's kind of poking Bobby, uh Bobby Bear a little bit. And I feel like because bear has been very vocal about that. He feels Jameis needs to play in this game because the last time he got hit was that game in on Halloween last year. And he needs to get that feel of a pass rush, that timing back in his head and also the feel of what it is to take a hit again as a quarterback. Cause that's not happening in practice, obviously. I mean, I've never taken a hit in a game, so I can't speak from experience. Bobby would be
1: able to say better than I, I ever could, but yeah, I think that's definitely something like, I think that, just getting hit is probably more important than anything else. Being willing to get hit and go down and not be afraid you're going to mess up that knee even worse, because like you said, it's has been, you know, 10 months since that, that last hit. But one thing I've been saying pretty consistently and I've been confident about is, you know, Jameis, if you ask him at any point, he will say, I want to play. Like it's never, I don't really need to play. He's going to be like, I will play every snap of that preseason game if you let me. Uh, and sometimes you just have to protect him from himself. But, you know, in case you're wondering whether that was just me making that up, here's what he said today.
2: James, do you need to play Friday? I would love to. I, I would love to play uh, just in terms of, like, to get out there with the bullets are really flying and uh, get out there and compete with, our, with the guys. You know, I love the pregame experience just to get a chance to look in everybody's eyes, doubt people up, and really get that whole holistic team bonding part in the beginning of the game. That's one of my favorite parts of football uh, is just that it's that pre-battle moment. So I would love to experience that uh, before we really uh, kick things off.
0: Will be fine. the night playing Friday if
2: if the first time you got an opportunity, it's uh, that first game in Atlanta, would you be fine if you don't play Friday? Uh, Well, I'm going to do my best to be prepared regardless. Um, Whatever the head coach uh, decides, uh, I'm going to be ready to play. I'm definitely going to be ready to go. Uh, in regards to your question, yeah, you know, my foot is—it's—it's is literally getting better every single day, and—and uh, and it's not like a—it's not like a major injury. It's just in terms of uh, overcompensating because I got the knee, you know, and uh, we don't want anything else to spring up just for me, you know, uh, using one side more. Yeah,
1: so there you have it. He wants to play. He wants to be out there. He's not even talking about like, oh, I want some reps to get execution down. I want. To get hit, to kind of get that comfortability. He's saying, "I want to be in the pregame
0: huddle. That's my favorite part." You got to watch yeah. out about saying uh, the bullets flying when you're when you're in New Orleans. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's keep this about football, Steve. hey Kyle Brister
1: over here is saying if Da isn't saying Jameis is playing, then Jameis isn't playing. I don't think that's true. I think Jameis is going to play. That's kind of what we're getting into. I, I think that if Jameis is healthy and Jameis wants to go, which he does then they're going to have a hard time saying, no, Jameis, you can't even get a series. We don't trust your own health. If he's a running back like Alvin Kamara, I don't think you should send out there. Demario Davis. I don't think you should send out there, but a quarterback isn't taking huge hits. You know, it's more about just getting the feel of it. And I think he's going to be out there for the most minimal amount of snaps that you can justifiably have him out there because he wants it. And I think he's healthy and, I think it's it's going to do good for for the team to see their quarterback kind of in the game. That, that's how I feel about it. You know, I'm going to flash this comment back up. So if DA isn't saying Jameis is playing, then Jameis isn't playing. I disagree with that because previously, he had told us he was not playing, right? In previous instances, he would have been like, yeah, he's not out there. Today, right. he played coy, And so to me, that actually indicates that he is a lot closer to playing because if he wasn't, then he has a
0: tracker of just saying, yeah, he's not going to be out there. So I think this is actually back. Yeah. I think that they're going to probably talk about it a lot today and tomorrow. See how Jameis is feeling with his foot. I know we've, we saw him running around a lot, even saw him, you know, sliding today. There was a comments about him going back to his old baseball days and having to practice that as well. And that's there was all positive signs and the way we saw what we saw him doing and how he was moving around there definitely looks to be no ill effects like uh, from the knee from the from the foot and if that's the case why not put him in for a series and I know some folks are like oh you know a bear just wants to see you know Winston get hurt so Dalton can come in as a starter and that's that's so furthest from the truth it's it's not it's not true please um, he wants nothing but the best for Jameis Winston and this team. Bobby is obviously a huge fan of Andy Dalton, who thinks he can come in and provide that same level of quarterbacking that Winston can if he can't if he can't go on, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think Bobby's wishing
1: uh, wishing evil on anybody. I do think that he's a big fan of Andy Dalton's. So I don't think that can be argued. Um, but no, I think I think Bobby just wants this team to win (laughs) right exactly um he he cares about this team winning way more than you know
0: anyone else I know like he really genuinely cares (laughs) I think early on in camp we did see uh Jameis kind of behind Dalton a bit Uh, for someone for a guy like Dalton to be just getting acclimated to this offense he, he just looked really comfortable and confident and I think Jameis was in that point where he was still kind of feeling his way back with the brace on and getting used to, you know, running around with that. And there were, there were some struggles at times, but he's definitely, I feel come on a lot stronger these past few practices.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think he was ever necessarily behind. I think he was just a guy who was, you know, getting his feet under him, but I don't, I never saw it ever as okay. Andy might be the starter. That was never the case. And no one on this team ever thought it was the case. So let's just, we, we can just dump that there. (laughs) <laughs> one thing i i wanted to ask cam jordan who we talked to today was kind of whether so in the media we make this big deal about preseason reps blah 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 but so i wanted to hear from him whether that was just the media making a big deal about things and the players really don't see it the same way and uh so here's what he had to say which includes him giving me a bit of a hard time as i tried to ask him the question which i think he agrees with in the in the end but he was yeah, he confused me in the moment so let's see uh, let's see how y'all y'all hear it a lot is made of like first team reps and preseason games as a veteran player from who well just it's always talked about in the preseason from who about well, the media. Right. There we go. Right. Well, that's my point. I'm I'm you. <laughs> yeah. As a veteran player, is getting one series in a preseason game. Does that really make a difference to you, or is it sure kind of it does? Like, okay. Well, I mean, the media. What is the the difference. How does it work for you?
0: Um, I think. I think it lets the media know <laughs> what the one's going to look like. Honestly, uh, when it comes down to it, I've seen you know players come in week one and be starters for a team. I've seen them come in week four and be starters for a team. Um, when your name is called, it doesn't matter what your state is. If you're physically able and mentally willing, let's go get it. I'm more excited about week one because I get to see guys flying around with it with live bullets. I can always speculate how well we do in practice because I think we look great in practice. I think we look phenomenal in practice. But anybody who's watched any fo- football has been like, you guys look great in practice and get to a game and lay eggs. We're not, you know, we're focused on being the best prepared that we can be for week one.
1: Yeah, so... I think what Cam was saying is, you know, it is a big deal to the media, and that's really the biggest you know the the biggest area where people seem to care about preseason reps. Uh, I,
0: I think that's what he was saying. It's very confusing when, <laughs> when he tries to... Well, then uh, when he, he finally did answer, and he was like, sure, it does. And then <laughs> right. he kind of, the real quickly, because to the media. So. Right,
1: and when I was asking the question in real time, I didn't hear him say to the media under his breath. So I was like, oh, okay, so it does matter. <laughs> uh, and then, so it, it was I was very confused in real time, but I think we've gotten to the bottom of it. Cam is not concerned about playing a snap on Friday. I think he would if it was asked of him, but I think Cam... Camara, DeMario. These are all guys who they might get out there. They might dress, but I would be surprised if they do. But I think you're going to see a good number of first teamers out there. I don't think you're going to see James Hurst. I don't think you're going to see Marshawn Lattimore. I don't think you're going to see... Definitely not Pete Werner. Pete Werner. That's the other one. Yeah. None of them participated in practice today. And I don't think that that's an indicator that you're going to be active on Friday. But I think anyone who was active in practice today, outside of Camara, has a chance to play on Friday.
0: Yeah, to me, I, I would even put maybe even Tyron Matthew in that mix, and I, I don't know if they'll put Marcus May honestly out there either in this in the last preseason game. But there, there's definitely no questions. I think you're you're spot on with definitely the big three of Camara, Demario, Cam Jordan. We, we, there's nothing else. You need to see from any of those guys. Yeah, I
1: think, I think we probably will see Marcus Meg. and I, I would say they would have motivation to get Tyron out there just because like like you haven't seen these guys play in a game. And I think the reps are actually valuable for them. And so if it's a question of, oh, we don't want to run them out there and get them hurt in reps that don't matter. I think that the equation is different for them because those reps I think will be good long-term, if you can just get some live game speed action going. But we'll see. I mean, there's also stuff you want to see from Justin Evans and some of the other safeties. So I don't think it would hurt anybody if they didn't play. But Chris, I just don't want to see them come out week one rusty because no
0: one's no one's seen action. All the, but Cam makes it sound like that's not something they're worried about. Chris Sanders there asking, will we see Mark? I'm assuming he means Mark Ingram, obviously. And I think we will see Marky Mark getting some run on uh, Friday. Probably your gonna be your number one quote unquote with the first team running backs. So
1: the the reason I think so if you play Jameis, like if you have Jameis out there, yeah, you you wanna have a first team running back out there because you want to have your best protector out there. And I think that's right. who Hark's you trust the blocker, most right. in like blitz protection, right? You don't want to put Jameis out there and put then put Abram Smith next to him. And no disrespect to Abram Smith but, you know, the oh, trusting a rookie to protect your star quarterback is not, you know, the, the ideal scenario. So I think that's why if you see Jameis, you will also see Mark. If you don't see Jameis, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see Mark. But, yeah, I think that's kind of where you're where you're drawing that line with him. But I just don't see any benefit to putting AK out there. I really don't.
0: No, and I, I think we've been talking about that probably since the middle of camp. It was even then. It's like I've seen enough. He's displayed it. You know, that speed, that quickness, the cutting ability, the vision. Uh, he just looks like your best offensive weapon, which he is. Yes,
1: this is true. Speaking of weapons, the Saints have a lot of them, but I don't know if they're necessarily getting the credit and fantasy drafts. And so we're going to spend the next segment going through where Saints players are a getting drafted and b, whether where they're getting drafted is high or low compared to what we think they should be. So stick around on Inside Black and Gold. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to mash that subscribe button wherever you hear your podcast. Leave a rating, leave a review. Five stars is uh, appreciated, not required, but kind of is required, so definitely do that. So in this segment, we're going to talk about Saints fantasy football and which Saints players are going as values at their current draft position. And we're going to get into this now because I think, generally speaking, a lot of fantasy drafts happen this weekend. I have one that's going to happen uh, the first week of September. But I think this is kind of the sweet spot for drafting because you want to wait until the end of the preseason if you can just in case someone tears their ACL and you don't want to have your first round pick get hurt before you ever get to watch them play a game. Uh, Cause that has happened to me before. I can't remember who it was, but I drafted someone in the second round and they were done. Like I never even got to see him on the field.
0: That's always a nightmare. I I agree. You always want to wait to the second, third, or I mean, it was even the fourth preseason game at one point, but yeah, you're not waiting to see, Oh my God, is this guy going to make the 53 man roster? You're not, you're not worried about that for fantasy football at all. Yeah, no, you you wanna you wanna wait until the teams cut down their
1: rosters and see where you see where you are. But so that's what we're gonna get into today. And so let's just kind of go through each player and their average draft position, and we'll kind of run this against what we saw in our listener league that we drafted for earlier in the week. So, Steve, the first player who will be drafted in every draft from the Saints is pretty obvious. It's Alvin Kamara.
0: Where do you think his average draft position is? I would put him still a top 10 person. So I'll say number 10. I know that there's the lingering concerns over his uh, possible suspension, but the way things are looking right now, that's still getting pushed to the back burner. Maybe something could happen mid-season, but to start the year at least, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be out there week one. And from what we've seen in training camp, he's definitely – looking like a guy that is gonna shine on the field for you. You know what he's capable of. And I still think he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. So I, I do have him like around nine ten in fantasy football overall. So that's where you think he should be going. Right. Well if that's the case then you know
1: it and this is kind of different because I think in New Orleans leagues he will go earlier. In our listener league he went at number nine. But his average draft position across all fantasy football leagues is 16.5 wow so if you think if you're in a league that's not you know all new orleans people right that's obviously the caveat of uh you know some of these differences sure um but if you're in a league like i'm in a league with some people back in south carolina where i used to live and uh i'm pretty sure i'll be able to take get him at like you know 13 14 and that's a steal in my opinion because i still think that he's not going to get suspended this year I, i was surprised actually he went even ninth in our in our local league I think that's what that number is baking in the idea that he might miss six games, but so you're gambling, you know, and it's not the worst gamble because I think that if he isn't suspended, he's going to end up being a top three running back. You know, the downturn in his stats last season, I don't put that on him. I put that on an offense with no weapons and, you know, go look at the second half of that Seattle game and watch how they just bracketed him coming out of the backfield. You know, like that, that's what you saw from a lot of teams. And the one half that they really didn't do it, he had 10 catches. So, like, that's where, you know, I think you're going to have a much easier time with Michael Thomas, with Jarvis Landry, with Chris Olave. You're not going to be able to just double the running back. You're not going to be able to sit in single coverage on the outside and expect to win. So it's going to be a lot easier for Alvin to kind of make hay in the running game. So as long as he's out there, if he plays 14-plus games – I think you've stolen a a top five pick in the second round. So I think I'm taking him if he gets beyond 10.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think the big comparison would be Christian McCaffrey with folks for Alvin Kamara. And I- I'm seeing a lot of, I guess, overdrafting, I'm feeling, with him, with, with McCaffrey, just because of his injury history. And you know he's going to get a heavy workload, obviously, there in Carolina, but can he stay on the field? And he just hasn't been able to do that. Over the past few years, but when he is, he's obviously very productive. I'm not not knocking him as a player. I'm just saying, I I definitely worry more about him missing time than I would Alvin Kamara right now.
1: Right, I'd be more concerned about taking McCaffrey in the top five than I would be about taking Alvin in the top twelve. Because you know you're talking about maybe Alvin misses six games. Christian's track record is at least six games missed. Like he's played ten games in the last two seasons. So games missed or games missed whether they're injuries or suspensions and I don't see why you would feel way more confident about Christian McCaffrey's ability to play more than 12 games this season than you would out. So, take that for what it is. I think that 16 and a half that draft position, that average draft position is a steal. But we can we can move on to another really interesting player, is Michael Thomas. Where would you peg him if you if you were picking Michael Thomas, where would you want him to be before you felt comfortable with it?
0: For me, I'd probably think either the third or fourth round of a fantasy draft. And I'm thinking like a 10 to 12 team leagues. Uh, So anywhere from around 26 to 30 something, I guess, for for Michael Thomas.
1: Well, 26 would feel really early because you're talking early third round pick. And there's still some really, really, you know, confident, you know, players you can be really confident in. Whereas I think, Mike, you still have some question marks about what his usage is going to be. You know, and that's, so second round, early third, that's tough. Like some of the early third round picks here, you know, Saquon Barkley went 22. Like that's the type of player that you're getting, you know, Keenan Allen was 23. AJ Brown was 40. Terry McLaurin, 42. Pat Mahomes was 43 in our listener league. So like, you're still seeing, you're still have really, really attractive names on the board. Um, And this is a 10 team league which makes it hard for me to swing Michael Thomas in the, in the early third round, but his average draft position is 47.3. So that's, and I think, yeah, I think that's about right. I would take him as early as like 40. I think I was get I was getting geared up to potentially take him in our league and he went
0: 38. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's a fair slot. I think even for a new Orleans league, even that's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. I was surprised people with
1: that patient. Um, they were patient on him. They were patient on Taysom Hill, but yeah, I think it's, this is another situation where if you're drafting in new Orleans, you're going to have a hard time getting value out of, out of Michael, Michael Scott, Michael Thomas. Like if this is a new Orleans league, you're gonna have a hard time getting value there. But I would be surprised if he goes before early fourth round in the league that in, in cause the two QB league. So you end up with a lot of early quarterback picks. And so like in those leagues, you have a really good chance. If you're confident in Michael Thomas, go take a swing on him in the 35 to 40, 40 range. And I think, you know, that's fair. That's, that's
0: value. Um, Before the hamstring injury, he was getting a lot of pub and a lot of big, you know, that people were, we were all blowing him up at practice saying how good he looked and can't guard Mike is back. But I, but maybe that hamstring tweak is kind of, kind of puts a damper on his progress. No, but I think I think what you're describing is why
1: local leagues are a lot harder to get him in because we are hyping him up and I think we all do feel pretty confident about his ability to get on the field and be effective. But I think from a national perspective there's a there's a negative perception of what this offense is going to do, which you know might be fair because we just haven't seen it. There's so many pieces of it we haven't seen, but I think that that's why you're seeing these guys go a little lower than you might have expected. 16 is way too low for Camara. If you can steal Michael Thomas, you know, at 48, you know, at the final pick of the fourth round of a 12-team league.
0: Yeah, it sounds great.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that upside is really hard to pass up. Who do you think is next
0: on the ADP list for the Saints? Who, uh, I would guess it would be Jameis Winston, that quarterback, just because of the value you have at the position. Nope. Uh, Olave?
1: Yep. Okay. Chris Olave is the third highest drafted Saints player by average draft position, and it's not high. There's a big drop-off. His average draft position is 125.4. So that's, you know, uh, I mean, wow. do, do, I'd have to do the math here. Let's see. In the 12-team league, you're talking 10th round. So you can get Chris Olave in the 10th round. I think that's probably right. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So you said 10th round for Olave? Uh, yeah, 10th round. You could get Olave in the 10th round of most fantasy league
0: drafts in a 12-team league. Wow, that that seems really low, though, to me as well, just from the fact that, you know, obviously the Saints invested a lot of them, a lot in him. We've seen him thriving at camp, got a little taste of the end zone last week, obviously preseason. But I, I would think he'd be higher than the 10th round. That seems really low to me. I, I would... I would put him around the sixth or seventh round, I think. I mean, in our 10-team league, he went in the
1: 11th round. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I think, I I don't know, I think that's about right for a rookie wide receiver. But yeah, it's another situation where I think the addition of Jarvis Landry and the return of Michael Thomas is going to hurt his value in the eyes of people, and that's why he might be further down on the list. If we were not as confident in Michael Thomas, and it felt like, man, he's going to get peppered with targets all season long, I think that would be a lot higher. And so would Jarvis. But because of that scenario, it's a little tougher to trust. And again, we're talking about nationally, people don't trust Jameis. So definitely. That kind of filters down to his receivers. Um, and did I think you, that's what you're seeing.
0: Did you say where Landry is
1: compared to Olave yet or no? So yeah, so the next two are Jameis Winston and Jarvis Landry. Jameis is going off at the 158 mark so Jameis you know and you're and at 158 you're flirting with not getting drafted at all in like a 10-team league you know that's that's the 15th round in a 12-team league that's the 13th round so Jameis and Jarvis could be had in the 13th round of your draft
0: let's see where he went in our league for for me there I'm definitely a lot higher on Jarvis Landry as a fantasy player than Winston yeah uh, just because of obviously track record with landry and what we've seen in camp man he's he's made some really impressive grabs and just uh exudes it's exuding a ton of confidence right now especially as we're wrapping things up and i just think he's a, a steady target that you can rely on in our league Jameis went
1: 159 overall so that's pretty spot on. <laughs> what right. I think I said is his average draft position is 158.3. He went at 159 in our draft. So we nailed it. Christian took him with his last pick. But then, yeah, let's see where Jarvis went. I bet Jarvis went way higher. Yeah, Jarvis was the number 95 pick. So that might be the biggest Saints reach relative to like the average draft position because his ADP is 160. And he got taken by okay that guy who also took Josh Allen as his number one overall pick. He got taken number ninety at number ninety five overall, which is like the ninth round or the tenth round in our league.
0: Yeah, with, with Jarvis in a local league too. You got the the Saints obvious connection, and then also your LSU connection. So that get, your ADP gets boosted up locally with uh, when you're a Saint and a Tiger.
1: Yeah, but I will tell you if you if you are a person who wants to reach for Michael Thomas then you should reach for Jarvis Landry. You should make sure that you get Jarvis because while it might be tough to start both of them, if either of them misses a game, which I think it's fair to wonder about Mike Thomas missing games, you know, Jarvis is all of a sudden a wide receiver one. So I think I'm not a huge fan of handcuffs in fantasy. I think they just take up roster spots and you can usually stream a better option than the guy you have been wasting a roster spot on. I think in this case, just knowing what we know about Michael Thomas if you have drafted Michael Thomas in the first 5 rounds then you should be reaching for Jarvis before pick like 110 because he will go eventually and you just want to make sure that you have that handcuff cuz i think it's going to be important and Chris I'm- Olave is not the handcuff he will not be the handcuff of Michael Thomas
0: i'm definitely a big more fan of the handcuff proponent when it comes to running backs uh just because you know, if, if I'm taking Alvin Kamara, I'm definitely going to find a way to to add Ingram uh, later on in the draft, just in case kind of thing. And I think that's just a good practice in general for backs, just because, you know, it's a lot easier to spread around catches than it is carries.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I have always felt like it just seems like you can tend to stream guys better than like, I don't know if Mark Ingram is going to be worth starting, even if, AK does miss time just because you don't know how that's going to platoon behind him. But yeah, it's fair. I think with Camara this year, for sure, if you're taking Camara, you should be trying to get your hands on Mark Ingram because that at least shields you from the suspension, right? Because you're not talking about missing one game where you can stream somebody and hope you're talking about a third of the season. Um, And so you can't just sit around and, and hope to stream enough guys but in, in most cases, if you have a reasonably healthy running back and the backup isn't really that good, you know, if it's not a guy who you would start, even if he was the starter, then I then don't waste a roster spot on handcuffs. But I think Ingram and Landry are important ones this year.
0: Curious the, with, with the ADP you're looking at after you have Mike Thomas, Landry, Olave, who do they have as the next receiver for the Saints that would be drafted? Is it? Is it Hardy? Is it Callaway?
1: It's. I mean, these are all undrafted guys at this point. You know, once you get to to like two hundred, you know, you're in the final round, uh, right? And then the rest, like, you'll get an average draft position. But we don't need to worry about forty round draft leagues that have way too much free time, you know. <laughs> but okay, so just a question: Who would you guess is the next, the next Saints fantasy pick
0: well, in ADA? We haven't talked tight end yet, so I'm going to say Taysom over Troutman. No. And is it Troutman then or no? No, it's the defense. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I got you. Yeah. The defense is uh, 191. I think they're probably being underdrafted. I think that's another example of, you know, if you're able to get your hands on a defense, I still don't think you should be picking a defense before like the 15th round right? You know, before like the second to last round, your last two picks should be defense and kicker. But I do think that there is some value in making that the four, your 14th round pick, like everyone's going to be going after a defense in that second to last round. And then they're going to be going against for a kicker in the last round. So one thing I like to do, so if it's a 16 round draft, one thing I like to do is okay, I'm not, I'm not waiting. I'm taking the defense I want in the 13th round.
0: Right. Right. I think two in leagues, obviously, someone's gonna take that Bill's defense probably early and then it creates a run of of teams. Yeah, you'll know? you see a
1: couple, a couple defenses go early, but you shouldn't get you shouldn't get sucked into that. But yeah. I do want to pick the defense I like out of the teams that are remaining. So if there's three defenses gone, I still wanna be able to pick who I think is gonna be the fourth or fifth best defense. And by by doing that one round early, right, you're you're avoiding the the rush at the end. So you can pick your defense, and then the next round you pick the kicker you want, and then in the final round you just pick whatever best position player you have you can pick. I got my Cole Hardman in my final pick in our league, and I think that's like if you really want to get your hands on the Saints defense, I, that's the strategy I would go with: is wait until the third to last round and and take the Saints if they're still on the table, which they probably won't be in a New Orleans. Not a New Orleans league, right? Exactly. But that's usually how I end up getting the defense I want.
0: Yeah, and I, that's one thing I love, love, love streaming defenses week to week. Uh, looking at the matchups, especially, you know, you go in ahead of time and you see, you know, you're in week one. Hey, who, who is so-and-so playing next week? And you pick them up, stash them on your bench the the prior week heading into that that matchup. Uh, that's the biggest one for me. If, you know, I know a lot of folks stream kickers and all too, but uh, defense is a big one. I think I even named my team streaming defenses one year. <laughs> Yeah, I can't even, well, I think I named my team D's Lutz, Um, but. (laughs) Lutz is a great fantasy pickup this year too, because he's looked healthy. And I don't know if the national rankings are going to be so high on him.
1: No, people are going to forget about him. He's a kicker playing in New Orleans. You know, I think we know how good he is, but why would anyone outside of this market know how good he is, right? So I think that's a, he's a guy you might be able to steal in the last round when in reality, there's always people who reach for kickers. And I yeah. put him right behind Justin Tucker in terms of reliability when he's healthy.
0: Yeah, he might get a little bit of push or buzz because hitting that 59-yarder everybody saw in that Green Bay game. So that's true. That's that, that, true. that'll that boost his fantasy stock for sure. Yeah, he
1: hit a 59-yarder outdoors.
0: Exactly.
1: You know, that's yeah that's impressive. He did have the wind helping him, but, like, that's,
0: that's it wasn't, how it
1: works. It wasn't a significant wind, sure, but yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. But like, you're you're going to have the wind on your side when you try to kick a 59-yard field goal. You wouldn't be trying a 59-yard, or if the wind was blowing in your face. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, like, and he's a guy I got in the second to last round because, like I said, I want to be able to get that pick in before the people who are drafting the correct way. So I'm just taking advantage of people being smart by kind of being a jerk. <laughs> uh, but I think that's what you have to do with fantasy football. That's kind of the deal. Okay, so the last few, the next few. The defense, Will Lutz is is up there. Adam Troutman is the next one with an actual ADP. He's going right at the tail end of drafts, which I think is wrong. I think if you're trying to pick a Saints tight end that might have a season that will get you, you know, at least a fantasy-relevant season, you should be going for Taysom. And we can talk about this. One of the reasons he's going so low in drafts, especially ESPN drafts, which is where we did this league, is they have him projected for seven catches and 77 yards the entire season, the entire season, seven catches for 77 yards. I would bet on him doing that in at
0: least one game individually. Yeah, I joked with you week one against Atlanta. That's a possibility.
1: That's just a wild thing to me. Like, so, you know, this is a guy who, sure, he might, you might not want him as your, as your top tight end. Like I took Travis Kelsey early because the draft is going weird and I just wanted to make sure I got the top option at tight end and I got him in like the 3rd round which which is way earlier than I like to go at tight end but I've always been like if you're going to take a tight end early it should it has to be the best one or like or like the top 3 one of the top 3 because beyond that it's a huge drop off so like I wanted kind of a a low end kind of shot play at tight end behind Travis Kelsey, just in case he misses a game and I have someone I can plug in because James is going to score. I'm sorry. Taysom is going to score touchdowns y'all. He's going to score touchdowns, whether he gets the yardage, whether he gets, you know, he might get 40, 50 receptions. He's going to score touchdowns. He's going to vulture him like an animal. And he might be, if I had to bet on this really weird statistic that I'm going to make up right now, of all the undrafted players in leagues, like a guy who is being undrafted or is owned in like less than 50% of leagues, he is going to finish the season with the most touchdowns by far of any of them because I could see him scoring 10, 12 touchdowns under the right circumstances. And that's a a fantasy dynamo.
0: Yeah, I think you could describe maybe Taysom as like the, you know, people say the punt God for whoever I I would have him as my flex God because you're going to have him Tight end, wide receiver, uh, running back, even special teams. Uh, if your league is going to count yardage for that, he might end up contributing there as well. Um, block punts, maybe. I don't even know if our league has that in the, into like anything uh, accounted for statistics. But th- there's just so many options for him to be able to give you uh, any points for for doing yardage, scoring. I'm I'm very curious to see exactly what he's going to do, obviously, with this, this team this year. But I, I just feel that he's a guy that can, you can plug in anywhere on the field and he's going to give you uh, a great amount of versatility for uh, fantasy football just all, all around. And even if it's not, t- not tight end, like I said, wide receiver and running back, you know when they get goal- that down to the goal line, they're going to use him, uh, I would assume still, at quarterback in that run pass option. Yeah, I mean, the, run, fact, up the, middle. the fact is he's going to get
1: touches like that's that's honestly the thing that annoys me about the, the SBN projection is like we can project that he's not going to be effective and maybe he's not going to take advantage of his role this year. And at this time next year, we're like, well, that was fun, but it didn't work out. There's no scenario where he just is not part of the offense this year. So, you know, that's the part of it that doesn't make any sense at all. You know, if his projection on the low end should be 25 catches, 20 rushes, four or five touchdowns, maybe, maybe 800 total yards, you know, 800 might be high, maybe like 600 total yards. You know, that should be his low end projection. And that's if everything doesn't work out. If he gets hurt, if he misses a couple games. So like, he's a guy who in at the tight end position where your options down toward the end of the draft are just awful. Very slim, right?
0: You know, That's like always my are- weakest, it always seems to be my weakest position. That's why I ended up, I think, round f- uh, five, I grabbed Kittle this year. And I'm just hoping he stays healthy because I've had terrible luck in the years with tight ends. Yeah, it's everyone's weakest position outside of like the top three
1: tight ends in the league because there's just not that many of them. And like the only the only really consistent one has been Travis Kelsey because he's just been, you know, healthy for six, six straight years. And then like Zach Ertz was up there for a while, but he's fallen off. But, yeah, I, I think that Taysom has a chance to be a top 10 tight end just because the position is so, so, you know, top-heavy and and depleted once you get past the top top four. So, um, yeah, that's that's my take on that.
0: Yeah, plus uh, I totally agree with you there just because, too, like I said, it's like he's more than just a tight end as well, and you're going to get the numbers from that along with, you know, everything he when he lines up a tight end, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, and – Special teams, too. I'm just just all-around guy that uh, – what what round you got him in in our league? Uh, I probably took him earlier than I had to, but someone was asking about him in the chat, and they right, couldn't and find they him because they spelled
1: his, his name wrong. And uh, so I made sure to get him. I got him in the 12th round.
0: Yeah, that's that to me is, is a, a nice bargain and great value for you, uh, someone that you know that you can a- – every game, too, whatever the matchup is, you, you're going to get something out of Taysom on, on a game day. Right and the
1: and the reason I took him there was because uh my next pick was the back, my my second quarterback because I don't I have Trey Lance as my starter and I wanted to make sure I had another guy then I took like I said I took Will Lutz I took the Colts defense and then I took and with my last pick so like that was my last like I don't have a thing that I need to take with this pick yeah and I knew he wasn't going to make it till the final pick so that's where I felt like I needed to take him but yeah I I just wanted to have one Saints player on my team because he's, you know, oh, I have two now. But, yeah, I wanted to have one Saints position player on my team just in case,
0: you know. It's, it's nice to root for the home team, obviously, yeah. Now, how far is Ta- Troutman behind Hill in the tight end rankings? Well, well Taysom is actually behind Troutman in the actual okay. rankings. Wow. wow.
1: <laughs> I don't think Adam Troutman went in our league. He didn't. <laughs> Adam Troutman went undrafted in this New Orleans-based fantasy league that's that's a big wow I think it's fair because I don't think he's going to do anything I think he might be a productive tight end you know I think he might be a valuable guy but I still don't think he's going to be a fantasy relevant guy because he's going to vulture his touchdowns
0: <laughs> yeah um I don't know you know like you you look at the tight ends over the years where would you put maybe like Troutman's production I might even say like a below Ben Watson even kind of thing
1: yeah he's been a Josh Hill. Um, that's, that's who he's been, is Josh Hill to this point. And that's not exactly the exciting answer you wanted. But, you know, if Josh Hill was a good player, he stuck around for a long time, that he had value. And so I the question I have is, can Troutman stay healthy? And right now, now it's not. looking like the answer is no. Um, and so if that's the case, then that's even a more reason to feel confident about Taysom because Trout, his role is... is blocking is important, but he also gets a lot of the routes and you're not going to replace him with Vinette. I don't think Jawan is the guy you're going to trust in those kind of um, early down roles. So I think that's even more, more room for Taysom to grow. So I think Taysom, if you are looking for a saints player that you can grab in the final three rounds of your draft and, and has a chance to well exceed his um, projections even the guy. reasonable projections, it's Taysom. Totally agree on that. A lot of these Saints players are going really low, generally speaking. So
0: if you want them, they're there to have. Which is kind of funny because over the years, obviously the Saints offense so highly touted, but you had Drew Brees, and then the big question was, well, Drew spreads it around so much. Who else should you get?
1: Yeah, and now you and now it's Jameis who know what he trusts. So you can steal some of these some of these players, and you know they might have a point because. Even if this team plays well, I don't know if it's going to be an offensive juggernaut just because it doesn't have to be. You know, if you're winning games 25 to nothing, you're dominating those games. You're not putting up a ton of fantasy points. But so, this
0: this offense is not going to be last in passing yards per game this year kind of thing.
1: No, but I also think like in an ideal scenario where you're winning games the way you want to win them, you are not in high scoring games. So you're not in games where you can support, you know, five val- viable fantasy starters. Um So I think that's kind of, I think that's fair. I think Alvin Kamara is insulated from that completely because he's going to be kind of a set it and forget it player, but everyone behind him, I can understand some of the concern over a a lack of usage.
0: Yeah, I I get you. And if I I had to have one saying, obviously it's going to be Alvin Kamara. And and then after that, it's the defense. So I I totally get it. And then it would probably be, you know, I'm looking at Will Lutz, honestly, because I, I know you're gonna have consistency there. Uh he plays for the for the most part indoors later on in the season. We got some potential bad weather games, obviously in Philly and Cleveland there late late in the season. But yeah, the but the offensive numbers for this team are gonna be drastically improved from a year ago. One, all the injuries, two, the inconsistencies along the offensive line, the, the quarterbacking. We can go on and on with that. I'm just not, I'm not completely sold, obviously, on Jameis either as a a top tier option at quarterback for fantasy wide. No.
1: Well, I mean, again, this is a New Orleans league, and he was the in, went in the final round as a backup. Uh, so I think that. The, the question about what he can do from a fantasy perspective is reasonable, um, and we'll have to see. But, okay, I think that's enough fantasy. Let's get back to reality. We're going to close out with our spotlight players for Friday's matchup against the Chargers. We've already picked them out. We're ready to go. And then we'll try, we'll get into a couple uh viewer questions if we have time in the back end of that. But stick around here on Inside Black and Gold and make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast.
0: For listening to Inside Black and Gold, coming back with another segment. This time, Steve Geller, Jeff Nowak. We are getting into our spotlight players for preseason game number three, the finale before the real deal, Jeff. I cannot wait, honestly, for week one, September 11th in Atlanta. And a guy that I am definitely anxious to see in this finale a little more from a local product in Kirk Merritt. Kirk Merritt, he's a running back now, y'all. Um, But
1: he's not listed as a running back on the depth chart we just got. So,
0: No, that hasn't been updated. Uh, just a guy that, you know, throughout camp, I think we've been taking notes on him, a guy who stood out, Destrehan product, so was really talked about there. But I thought it was interesting, obviously, that Green Bay game, you know, they they used him at uh, the return specialist position. And that, that 59-yard return, uh, against the Packers, kind of made some coaches and guys on the team go, "Hmm, maybe, maybe we could use him in that Ty Montgomery role on this team uh, as a running back." And now we've been seeing him playing more of that position than wide receiver at practices. Now he started out, uh, he said, as playing running back as a kid, uh, six years old. So it's not a it's a position that's foreign to him at all. Bit, nice, nice size on him, six foot one, 214 pounds. And he just looks like a guy that belongs on this team to me and definitely anxious to see how much run he gets in this finale, because I do think there's a shot that it might be a small one, but there is a shot he has at making this 53. Yeah, I think he definitely has a shot. I think he has a better shot now than he did as a
1: wide receiver, just because of the depth of that room. But so I put out my roster projection this week after, you know, after week two of the preseason kind of heading into week three and I left him off, but I did kind of put him like kind of right on the bubble at the running back position, because I think Tony Jones right now is that fourth running back that I think you have to keep. But if Kirk can come out and show that, you know, he not only has the build of a running back, but he can produce like a running back and take plays out of the backfield and be that kind of plus receiver out of the backfield, because you know, he has the receiver skills. Um, I think he can supplant Tony and it'll come down to whether he's useful enough on special teams, because I think Tony has also done well on special teams. So, um, you know, both have been solid on kick returns. Um, Both have been solid in special teams. So I think that it's a lot closer than it was previously, because I think Tony had like really pulled ahead of abram and obviously divine who was who was let go early in the week so and i think uh, dwayne yeah. washington being nicked up helped his cause too yeah and that's another thing that we have to consider is dwayne has not been out there for practice at all this week um you know you'd like to think that he would be healthy come week one but if there's a question you know and then that makes that rb3 spot even more even more valuable Because if, you know, if one of those two first, you know, marker Alvin go down, all of a sudden, yeah, that's the guy. Um, So, yeah, I think I think Kirk is really intriguing and I'm looking forward to seeing him at running back. I assume they're going to give him solid run there because he's been getting like live reps in team drills. So it's not like they're just testing it out. They believe that he can do that.
0: Yeah. And uh, obviously, I know, you know, someone that the Houdat Nation and all the local folks are looking out for. Like I said before, the Destrehan product, everybody likes that story. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. And I think to some extent, the saints get annoyed that we keep bringing it up because, you know, they're not going to keep him because he's from Destrehan. That is one thing that we need to understand. And the saints want you to be aware of. It's like, they don't care whether this is an LSU player, whether this is a Louisiana player, whether this guy's from Baton Rouge or Destrehan or whatever, they actually have a Baton Rouge guy in Malcolm Roach too. They're going to keep the best 53 or the 53 that they think gives them the best chance to win as many games as possible and the feel-good story is not going to factor in. I'm sorry, it's just not. Now, would it be nice if they could keep a local kid around? Sure. But he's going to have to earn that spot independent of that. And I think that he's pretty close. I really do. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him get a chance because he has flashed a lot throughout camp. And the entire time, I've kind of in the back of my head been like, yeah, he looks good, but I just don't see a road for him at wide receiver. And now I think there is a possible road at running back.
0: So hopefully he can
1: he can take advantage of that.
0: Yeah. And the thing we talk about, whether you want to say versatility, multiplicity, he's definitely got that piece about him. And we know this Saints team obviously loves the fact that, you know, the more you can do, um, the more valuable you are, obviously, to Dennis Allen, the offense and the roster. Okay, and
1: speaking about value, we're going to go into my spotlight player, the guy who I think you should take be taking a close look at. It's kind of a cop out. We've already talked about him. But here, here is what he sounds like, and then we'll get into who he is.
0: A lot of discussion yeah. the last couple Nephi. of days on how to say it. So Nephi. Yep, it's
1: Nephi.
2: Okay.
1: Is that something that gets mispronounced a lot? Yeah, a lot of the people go with Nephi.
2: So yeah, kind of roll with it unless you don't know, feel like to correct. But it's Nephi. If y'all can say it like that, but I'm yeah, cool I'm with Nephi if you want to. No, we <laughs> we've got <laughs> to <not> correct now. <laughs> say it the right <laughs> way, but I was definitely saying yeah. it the
1: wrong way. Yeah, I think everyone was. That's him. That's Nephi. Uh, I feel so bad for him. Like we have all been saying his name wrong for like three weeks and it's like, now it's like, he's about to have a chance to make
0: this roster and suddenly, and now we're all like, Oh, what's your name? (laughs) Yeah. When Eric Wilson said it, I had to look it up too. Like, wait a minute. Did he say it wrong or have we been saying it wrong? And yeah, sure enough, when you you go looking at past YouTube videos of his highlights and you hear them saying Nephi Sewell, you're like, Ooh, ouch. Yeah.
1: And, and I know we, we just talked about this on the last podcast. I'm not going to get too much into it, but we did finally get to talk to Nephi in person yesterday. So that would have been Tuesday. So, you know, he's a very interesting option at, at linebacker. And I think he's going to be a guy to watch. Now I pick him as my spotlight player, but I really think it's like you're spotlighting whoever looks the best at that will linebacker spot and like who looks, who who looks like they can cover, who looks like they can tackle, who's making plays, who's around the ball. And whether it's Nephi, whether it's Bostick, who I, he'd probably be at the mic, you know, whether it's Chase, Chase Hansen if he's out there, you know, there are spots to be had. One Got of it. the big changes I made in my roster projection was at linebacker. And I dropped um, Caden Ellis and I dropped, uh, well, let's see. I don't want to, I don't want to lie to you. Bostic, right? The the guys I'm keeping, I'm keeping six. I'm keeping Demario Davis, Pete Warner, Caden Ellis, Nephi Sewell, Eric Wilson, Andrew Dowell. So as you can see, that drops Chase Hansen, who had been on there previously, and Zach Bond, a third round pick from two years ago, That's who I just one. don't see having done enough to make this roster. I really don't. And if if some of these guys show up and ball out, and I don't see why you would cut Eric Wilson to keep Zach Bond around just because you drafted him, like he's a special teams player at best. And if you took away that third round tag, you would be like, if you just took away your third round tag on him and just stood him up next to the other guys in the room, I don't think you would be like, yeah, that's the guy we should keep. Right. And so if your issue was a sunken investment and that's the only reason you're keeping him around, then that's a problem because I think that you get a lot more utility out of a guy like Nephi who covers a lot better. He was a safety. He played safety in college and then transition to linebacker. So he's got cover skills or a John Bostic who has been in the league for 10 years and is a veteran and has that, you know, he's a veteran presence in the locker room or Eric Wilson was forced to turnovers in two preseason games. So it's like, what have you done for me to keep me on, to keep you on the roster? And I think everyone has a claim to it other than Zach ball.
0: Yeah. And like you mentioned just before, when we were talking about Kirk Merritt, you're not going to keep him around just because he's a local product. I don't. They're, they're, this team's not going to keep Zach Bourne around. I don't think just because they invested that third round pick in him. I uh, totally agree on the fact that he's, he's a special teams player. And that's just, we have, we have other needs right now at this linebacker spot than just a, a special teams guy. We just haven't seen it, seen it from Bourne. And he's been, he's been given the opportunities.
1: Yeah. He's gotten his chances. Like, it's not like we just don't know enough. Like we know what his ceiling is, I think. And, and I just, I don't know. Like if, if you don't have a good reason to cut bait and you keep him around, that's fine. But I think that this is a team that has depth concerns and you know, it might be a situation where every, all these teams are cutting down to 53 on Tuesday you know, one of these spots might just be waiver claim a as like basically a holding holding spot. So whoever, you know, the best linebacker you can find that that got knocked off a roster, they're the option. You know, so yeah, I just don't see Zach Bond being a guy you have to worry about cutting because he has not made it uh an issue, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I think for Nephi, his main competition might be Eric Wilson, huh? I mean, I have them both in there. Okay. I think his his main
1: competition would probably be Chase Hansen. Cuz I think right. Eric Wilson is going to be the backup
0: kind of Mike. And and we know what Wilson, I mean not uh, with Hansen, I mean the issue obviously is not the talent because this this guy's been around this team since I think what, 2019, he just can't he cannot stay healthy for the life of him. It's the health.
1: Yeah, if I if I was kind of pegging like a like the matchups, I think it would be kind of Chase Hansen Nephi and uh you know maybe Caden um now Caden would be more in the mic but and then I think it's Eric Wilson Caden and uh John Caden P- and the Sam too huh who I, Caden Ellis in the Sam yeah but you don't really need to keep a guy for for Sam right it, that's just like if you can't be a mic in this defense then you're not going to be on the roster <laughs> Because you don't run that position out there. You play like 2% of your snaps out of that personnel. So I think that it's that that backup kind of mic spot is going to be Eric, Caden, or John Bostick. Um, yeah,
0: we've heard Dennis Allen definitely praise. That's a name he's mentioned a lot, I think, is Caden Ellis.
1: Yeah, I think they like Caden Ellis. I think he's a guy who they would put on the practice squad if they can. And um, I just, I don't know. I, I just, he's, a, he's an effort guy. He's a special teams guy. And that's great. Um, but I think there's more upside with Eric Wilson. And I think if you have to play them, if he has to start, you feel more comfortable about Eric Wilson. So that's why I'd keep him around. But like, that's why this is the spotlight position, because we're going to learn a lot about these guys. One of them, if one of them really goes and balls out, that could be what gets them on the roster. So that's why it's my spotlight position while, you know, spotlight position, spotlight
0: player is Nephi, but it could be any of them. Yeah, and not to bang on Zach bond either but we saw a guy like John bostic who yes he's been around the league for a little bit but he showed up right away and made made more of a difference than we've seen Zach bond in his entire time in the with the, in a black and gold uniform
1: yeah let the team in tackles yeah and right i don't know if we could we, he Zach actually that's the weird thing is he came out last preseason and looked solid in that Ravens game and then we just never heard from him again so I don't know um maybe 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 he'll come out and just blow up and then make it so you can't cut him but I I don't know right now, right now I'm, I'm looking at Nephi. And I think that the team is looking at Nephi based on how they've been running him out there in reps. Um, And so there's something to be said there. So I'd keep an eye on him and uh, make sure you double check the pronunciation
0: before you bring him up in uh, any casual conversation. I think now that it's been pointed out for everyone, it's, it'll get ingrained. Although looking at it though, you, you, you want to say Nephi. I've I've kind of trained myself out of it, but
1: it's gonna be one of those names. One of the reasons I want to stay around is so like it's gonna be one of those names where every now and then you'll be like watching a Saints game and it'll be a weird broadcast crew and they'll be they'll say it wrong. You'll be like, Yeah. You'll be like the Leo, the Leo GIF with the, like the beer and the cigarette. Yeah, drink. yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, that's why. So that's all I have on him. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? We can run some questions up here to fill the rest of the time, unless you had something specific.
0: We heard Dennis Allen, you know, talk about how there's still positions to be won on this team, and that that linebacking spot's definitely one of them. I would say the wide receiver spot, which we we highlighted before with Merritt slash, you know, he plays there slash running back, but um, the the depth there at wide receiver. You know, the, the question about Traquan Smith, is he going to make this team? And there was a concern after he missed uh, a practice the other day is is he hurt right now. But we did see him at least return to the, the session today. And I'm sure he'll get some run in this preseason game, too. But I, I definitely don't think his spot is locked in in, in Traquan. I think it is. I, I I have a hard time seeing him missing
1: the roster And the main reason is the reason you brought him back is still valid and that hasn't changed, which is he's going to be the blocking receiver and he's going to do a lot of those things that people don't want to do. And I see him kind of like Austin Carr. I don't know. Like I, I like Dejan Dixon a lot. I just don't think that he's going to do enough as a special teams player to make that roster. And like DA called him out on it earlier in camp. And I don't think he did anything in that second preseason game that was particularly impressive and he kind of was absent in the passing game too, you know, and, and I really like Dejon. I think he's going to be a solid pro, but I think it's a year on the practice squad for him personally, but we'll see what happens. I, I just think Trey, the, the comfortability is there. They trust him. And, uh, you know, Jameis trusts him. Pete Carmichael trusts him. And uh, I think it just makes, makes sense. But that said, you might not keep six receivers. So if you decide, that you're only going to keep five, then that's Trey. That's gone. So maybe right. that way.
0: But the and I know we we brought it up a little bit before too. The obviously the Dejon Dixon is a, a great local story as well. But that just because you know you're from New Orleans, went to Nichols doesn't doesn't keep you on this roster. I am curious, and I know we've kind of talked about it a little off the podcast about will one of these guys like a Dixon or a merit if they don't make it end up being claimed somewhere else by another team. And it'll be curious because I feel like both of them have done at least enough in this camp to make an NFL roster. I just don't know if other teams are quite as locked in and know about them. There's one other
1: point that I'll make, which uh, bookie Brown here, people pick up all of our players. We cut because they know we draft. Well, I don't know if it's that, but I do think that, one thing that definitely happens is when the Saints cut special teamers other teams their ears perk up and they're like oh okay you know or you know when they're a spe- when a special teams player comes available it's not a coincidence that you know Justin Hardy gets scooped up by the Jets right and Craig Robertson also went to the Jets uh, Divine Zigbo ends up on the Broncos right Aesop Winston gets picked up immediately by the Browns and I don't think that's a coincidence I think it's a product of The Saints have established a really good special teams kind of pipeline where they've they've gotten really good at identifying special teams contributors, developing special teams contributors. They coach the position well, they emphasize the position. So you have a lot of people who can do a lot of things when so when they end up on, you know, waivers, teams are like, oh, man, okay, well, we don't. That's a shortcut for us because we don't have to teach that they already have it. And not all teams are good at that. So that's why you see a player like Aesop Winston just immediately getting claimed by the Browns, right? And so I say all that as we asked Sean, I'm sorry, we asked Dennis today. I'm surprised I don't do that more often. We asked Dennis today whether we might see Rashid Shahid in the preseason finale. And it was a weird, he kind of brushed it off kind of the same way he did with Jameis, where he's like, I'm not going to tell you who's playing, blah, blah, blah. And that's weird to me because you'd think under normal circumstances, you would be like, okay, yeah, we want to get a look at this guy. We want to see if he's the return guy. So maybe next year we have a, we, we have a better idea of what we have in him, even though he probably doesn't have a space on this year's roster. But I almost think we've seen enough from, from Rashid in practice. He caught a touchdown in drills today, and I think he's looked really good. Smooth. He transitions well. He looks a lot like Chris Olave out there. Obviously, he doesn't have the pedigree of a Chris Olave. You're not expecting anything nearly what you expect from Chris Olave. But the way they move and the way they transition and the fluidity in their hips, it's very impressive. So I think you've almost seen enough from him to know what you can hope for next year. And the only thing that's going to happen if you send him out there and have him return a couple kicks is then other teams are going to have tape on this guy returning kicks. And they might be like, well, we need a returner. We know the Saints are really good at preparing returners. They're good at finding returners. Yeah, we're going to claim this guy. And so I think that might be why you might not put him out there, even though this is an opportunity for him to showcase it, because they want to keep him around, and he's not hurt, so they can't stash him on IR and pretend he's hurt. And so I think that's that's probably what you're
0: seeing. Totally agree with that, trying to slow play the hand there, not show too much on Shahid, where, you know, like you said, what we've seen has been pretty impressive with him, but why put that out there for the rest of the NFL teams to see? And as a guy that, you know, they, they can pick up because you know, he's not going to make this team, which is stacked at the, at the special team slot. So yeah, I definitely think it's kind of the saints trying to be like, not, not trying to bring attention to him at definitely.
1: Right. And one way to make sure you bring attention to somebody is to send them out Don't there and have snaps really right? good on kick returns. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so that's why I think you're going to see Kirk and Tony returning kicks, maybe Marquez. Um, Although, yeah, I don't think you're going to see Deontay. I think he's another guy who you just, you don't need to see. And it's like, why have him taken a hit? He doesn't have to. But yeah, and I also think the next year when you kind of get to the end of this this season and this road, you're going to have a really hard time convincing me that this team's best option is to overpay a kick returner in a league where you do not return that many kicks. And that's what Deontay is. And I think that he probably will get paid somewhere, but this team feels like it can, it's capable of finding the next Deontay, right? So uh, that's what I think Rashid is, and that's what I think they think they have in him, and they just want to make sure that he doesn't get picked up by anybody else. But all that said, it wouldn't shock me if he does play, and, and then I sound like I'm full of it. But that's
0: that's kind of how it's reading to me. I did think it was interesting. There was a part in uh point in green Bay where I saw Jameis Winston leave the field with Shahid and they kind of went into the indoor facility where you away from everybody. And I'm assuming, you know, just working on some reps, getting some snaps together uh, while they, that, while they weren't taking part in anything on the field.
1: Okay. There. I don't really, not down. much I can say about it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I man there's a lot of things we could come up with a lot of theories for what they were doing in there you know <laughs> and the snacking on cheese curds you know playing maybe. playing tic-tac-toe no more cheese curds yeah maybe some connects four. maybe some yahtzee you never know yahtzee's a good time maybe some chess you know maybe these are chess guys definitely the the snack time sounds more accurate yes uh i think i, I would be snacking around
0: yeah, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another edition of Inside Black and Gold. We want you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to hit the like button as well. Uh, give us a re- five-star review we be preferred. If not five stars, please give us some info on what, what you want us to bring you. Hopefully, we'll be you know coming to you with some interesting takes after this final preseason matchup. Who are the guys that do end up playing one and end up Also, who ends up standing out from this bunch and ends up making this 53-man roster? Peace, y'all.